DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome in Brian Geldzeiler, founder of HoopsCritic.com, host on Sirius XM NBA Radio and NBA TV analyst. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now Pay Later promotion. Do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at SmartRain.net. Brian, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. It's been a little while, huh? It has been a little while, and sadly, we just had on a guest from New Jersey, and PK went nuts, and now you're going to go Jersey with him again. <laughs> I don't know if I have the stomach for this, Brian. you got to have the stomach for it. I mean, listen, Jersey, they call the, the middle America the heartland, but Jersey is the heartbeat. Oh of no, this country. Yeah, I mean, I can, the heartbeat of this country. I could ask you all basketball, but I want to know how my Morris Catholic Crusaders are doing in football up in Denville this year. They're doing pretty well. Everything's good up there. <laughs> they got they they have it going on. That's not far away from where I am right now. They have it, they have it going on. You know, they got a heck of a good team. And listen, basketball wise, I'm I'm looking down at Gil Saint Bernard. I'm like, I'm Mergen Cena. Who's got six Division One kids there this year oh, going nice. on to his high school team with some big time recruits, and uh, so he's got he's got a whole he's got a lot of uh, a lot of college coaches coming in and out of his gym checking out his kids. So we got a lot of action here in Jersey here uh, this fall and this winter coming up. Beautiful, beautiful. The University of Arizona football coach Jed Fish. He went to East Hanover Park High School, which is where my I know he did where my sister graduated too. Okay, now that's funny because Jed's older brother, Jordan, is an old friend of mine. Ah. Jordan went to Livingston High School, and Jordan and I have a very a common, very, very close friend, a friend of ours who, who, who coincidentally lives in Arizona now, a guy named Greg Donner, who is one of the greatest lacrosse players in the history of the state of New Jersey. I actually <laughs> had lunch with Greg a few months ago because he was in town for Jordan's son's bar mitzvah that Jed was at. So you and I can, we can play this game all day. I am. This is exactly why I was horrified. On behalf of all the listeners, I apologize. There's only seven more Jersey... <laughs> citizens and five more million expats to discuss and then we'll get to the nba all day i'll keep going i knew this was going to happen all right so i am stunned because on one random night in the nba the lakers the clippers the suns the nets and the bucks all lost. Now, the Bucks and the Suns were in the NBA Finals together. The Nets, the Lakers, and the Clippers, they've been the cool kids signing the big free agents. Somebody is picking at least one of those three to go to the Finals last year and wrong. This year, maybe right or wrong. We'll see how it plays out. But those are five big dogs all going down the same night. Are we going to have a wild and crazy NBA season, or are we going to be able to identify a handful of the top few teams in the league pretty quickly? I think somewhere in the middle, and 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 I look at it this way because we talk about those teams that you just laid out. Some of the problems with some of those teams are solvable; others are major concerns. Listen, the Lakers look like they have a weird mix right now, and, and they're struggling to figure that out. And I don't know if LeBron James missing a couple of games here is helpful in the respect that him and Westbrook have been a clunky fit early on. LeBron playing off the ball a little more, which is what's going to have to happen. But the more they play together, the more that adjustment's going to exist. The Nets didn't count on something that's happening to them right now. They thought James Harden was going to show up in great shape. And now he's blaming the rehab from the hamstring and taking all that time. James Harden claimed he was in great shape. 
James Harden is not in great shape. He's not in wonderful condition. You combine that with the fact that he's not going to the basket as much, and if James Harden is going to get to the free throw line, the amount that he used to, anywhere close to that, or the amount that the Nets need him to get to the free throw line, he's going to have to be in better condition to go to the basket. He's not doing that. He is not playing aggressive offensive basketball for the Nets right now. You would hope that works itself out. By the same token, Harden off a rehab hamstring not being in great shape carries its own set of dangers. The Clippers, listen, this is going to be the Clippers this year. I think you have to understand that. In the absence of Kawhi Leonard, they're just a good team. They're not a very good team. They're not a great team. They're just a good team. Last night they play a really good Cavs team, by the way, who's a blast to watch, and they're doing something different than anybody in the league's doing. But they play that Cavs team last night, and obviously they're without Leonard, and they're without Ibaka right now, which is one of the reasons they didn't get to the finals last year. Ibaka would have been a very important player for them against Phoenix. And they were without Marcus Morris. You can't be without that many guys if you're the Clippers. That means so much to you. Essentially, three starters on your team, it's going to hurt you. Milwaukee and Phoenix, I'm less worried about. Listen, Milwaukee's missing a bunch of rotation guys right now. Giannis is trying to carry on his shoulders. But I would watch this with Milwaukee and Phoenix. The long-term fatigue that three players between those two teams are going to take on. Devin Booker doesn't look like himself to start this year. Chris Middleton doesn't look like himself this year. And Drew Holiday is very hard. So those guys, keep in mind, when the NBA Finals ended, got on a plane, flew to Tokyo, and played in the Olympics. And there's some long-term fatigue that could set in with those guys that I think those teams have to be worried about. That's the biggest problem, chemistry-wise. And what those teams have done to add to the roster, I think they're going to be fine. So, again, some of these problems are solvable. Some of them are legitimate concerns. So out here in Utah, folks are still uh, scarred from the Derek Harper years ago. You go play in Utah, and we really worry about what people think, and there's this impression and uh, reputation that we're not friendly to African-American players. I think it's a bunch of crap, and this is a great place. You just got to be here, and then you talk to so many of them, and they love it here. But I'm wondering league-wide, the perception, how much, if any, has changed with the new ownership, Dwayne Wade coming aboard, and get this, Brian, Tia Leone was at the last game. Tia Leone, who grew up in Inglewood, New Jersey, another one. So it's just darn cool to be a Jazz fan now and to be associated with the Jazz. Has, has the perception or how much of it has changed in the league? Yeah, I think it's but I think it's been changing for a while, and I think that perception's kind of antiquated right now. I, I don't think that there's players that look at Utah that way. I think right now Utah is a legitimate title contender. I mean, I was asked the question last week, give me your non-Laker pick in the Western Conference, because I do think the Lakers eventually pull this together and end up being the best team. It's the Jazz. It's the Jazz. And listen, I hated what happened to them last year in the playoffs. And and I will tell you, we can talk about this till we're blue in the face. To me, from a strategic standpoint, it was very much avoidable. And I'm hoping that Quinn Snyder learned a heck of a lot from how they defended the Clippers in that in that in that second round series. With all that said, this notion that free agents don't want to be there. Listen, Bogdanovich is an important player to that team. He went and signed as a free agent to be there. Um, you look at Mike Conley. Mike Conley could have left. They had Mike Conley had offers. Mike Conley wanted to be there. Donovan Mitchell has done a whole lot to change the perception of this franchise. And it, it goes so much beyond Donovan Mitchell, the player, who, by the way, I think is going to be an MVP candidate this year. And I love the way he looks. And, and to me, a healthy Mitchell is a very, very dangerous Mitchell. Um, but I also think it's Donovan Mitchell, the guy. I mean, listen, guys, you know, Donovan Mitchell, you know, he, he burst on the scene as a rookie. The summer after his rookie year, and I saw this with my own eyes at Vegas Summer League, he was taking out the Jazz 
summer league team to dinner every night. Like he is a legit leader in an organization that's got a lot of veteran players. That's Donovan's style. He's that kind of guy. I look at everything the Jazz have, and to me, they're probably the most complete team in the league right now. Now, again, execution-wise in the playoffs, injuries, all those things – factor in and I do think that ultimately they probably at the trade deadline got to find themselves one more decent perimeter defender. Everybody talked about the problems with Gobert not going out to the perimeter in that Clipper series and planting Terrence Mann in the corner and letting him shoot. So much of the reason they didn't have Gobert out to the perimeter was because their other perimeter defenders were getting beat off the bounce, and Quinn Snyder was deathly afraid of taking the defensive player in the year and moving him out of the paint, thinking he was falling into a trap. In the end, he wasn't falling into a trap, and Rudy is that versatile. But he got caught in what he just likes to do defensively. And, and I, think, but I think ultimately having you know, another Royce O'Neal-ish type of player would really help them a lot. Let's see what Rudy Gay brings. He's never had a reputation as a great defensive player, but he gives them some versatility when they want to play some small ball, and I think that's so important. I like Eric Pascal as a player. Is he that kind of defender? I'm not sure. But I would think Jazz are a team to watch as December 15th hits in that December 15th between the trade deadline period because they do need one more perimeter defender to me to, to be that complete team that can potentially go to an NBA final. Thank you for the Gobert take. I say that and nobody listens to me. <laughs> Nobody listens. It's that the problem started when other guys got beat off the dribble. Correct. That was the problem. The That's problem, had the nothing, problem. What'd yes. you say? The problem. Stop. It had nothing to do with Rudy Gobert. It had nothing to do with Rudy Gobert. That's Rudy Gobert yeah. has been used in a particular way, and the and and the thing is, you know, you look at the Jazz. They do, Conley used to be a good defensive player. It's not a really good defensive player anymore. Listen, I, I have to tell you, maybe the biggest key to this defense outside of Gobert, who we know who he's going to be is Donovan Mitchell, who last year was on a bad ankle. It didn't affect him much on the offensive end of the floor. He's so creative and he's so talented, he was able to change his game to still be extremely effective on the offensive end. He didn't guard anybody at all in the playoffs, guys, i got to tell you. And that's something that's got to change, because Bogdanovich is not a good defensive player. It's not a – listen, you can hide one guy. You can maybe, if you have enough good perimeter defenders, to hide two. They struggle with hiding a lot of guys. Ingles is another guy. You need him to play minutes because how important he is offensively. He's a statue defensively. He's not good. So they need to add another defensive player. And Donovan Mitchell is going to have to be much better on that end of the floor in the playoffs. And, and listen, in all fairness to Donnie, I think he can do it. I really do. I, I, I think we'll see him be that better defensive player. But that's the single biggest development to watch who Mitchell is on the defensive end of the floor. So nobody is Gobert from the Jazz perspective defensively and probably in the league too, but they think they got something in Whiteside to basically hold down the fort at least when Gobert has to go to the bench. How do you see it? Well, I, listen, you got to be careful with Whiteside, and, and this is what I mean. Whiteside is a guy that when you look at his numbers, you look at his defensive rebounding, you look at his blocks, even his steals to an extent, you're like, wow, those are some good defensive numbers. Whiteside is not a good positional defender. He's a stat chaser. And what I mean by that is Whiteside will leave the paint when he shouldn't leave the paint to chase a block. Um, He'll just get caught out of position far too much chasing stats. 
Whiteside is the antithesis of Yusuf Nurkic, who doesn't always put up the numbers, but is one of the better positional defensive players in the league. And that's the thing you worry about with Whiteside. Now, again, in limited minutes for Rudy, I think he'll help. There's no doubt. He's got a lot of talent. He's a fantastic athlete. And I think he'd like to get another big contract. So I think, I think that'll help. But I do think you have to limit your expectations with Whiteside with the understanding that just he's not all that – for a guy that puts up some good defensive numbers, he's not all that smart a defensive player. How much do you think Quinn can change the way he's played? You ever been on the receiving end of that Quinn glare? It's a, it's a, go on Twitter and search guests. You'll, you'll see the look. It's oh, legendary. It. Yeah. I've seen it, and it is. Listen, I don't think Quinn has got to change an awful lot of what they've done offensively. The strategy of playing pace and space and firing up threes fits the personnel grouping. So I don't think you have to make changes there. What I worry about is defensively. And what I spoke about earlier with how, how the Clipper series, you know, kind of, you know, it exposed the way, it exposed the Jazz of lacking versatility on the defensive end of the floor. And Quinn's got to do something about that. Because ultimately, if you're funneling everything to Rudy, and a team is going to pull, try to pull Rudy out to the corner. Keep in mind, they played ultra small, Terrence Mann camping out in the corner, and open corner threes. And for Rudy, he was worried about staying at the rim. They're going to have to make some changes there. And even if, you know, it, what's interesting, and team, you know, I saw the Warriors do this in attempts to hide Steph Curry during the championship years. You know, some switching off the ball sometimes to keep Rudy in the proper position that you need him to have and, and wanting him to kind of straddle being in the paint and being on the perimeter. I think there are some off-ball adjustments they're going to have to make with Rudy. That's going to be an interesting thing to watch. And I do think what you'll see, because the Jazz are going to be a playoff team, as long as everybody stays healthy, they're going to be a top two or three seed in the conference, if not the top seed in the conference. But I think what you'll see here is some experimentation in the regular season by Quinn in how to play some different defensive schemes so they have more versatility defensively coming into the playoffs. They got exposed in the playoffs last year defensively as a one-trick pony. Quinn can't let that happen again. Where do you place a fully stocked and healthy Nuggets team? Well, fully stocked and healthy Nuggets team, frankly, is probably the best team in the conference. But if you don't have Jamal Murray, you're not there. And, and, and that, to me, that, to me, is the hard problem because you watch them and they just are weak in the backcourt. They don't really have what you need in the backcourt scoring-wise to create enough spacing. And, and you ask a ton out of Nikola Jokic, which is fine. Listen, Jokic MVP of the league. The guy's one of the best players in the league. But you ask a ton out of Jokic on the perimeter where the reality is where Jokic is deadly is when you're playing, running offense through the elbow to him, putting them on the low post. They have Jokic playing .5 a lot now in the absence of Murray to try to see if they can spread the floor a little bit. And that's where I think that's where the Nuggets become much easier to defend. And Murray means that much to what they do because he's a super offensive player. He really is. So to me, I think they're the most talented team in the conference. That's a very tough starting five when, when you have Jamal Murray out there. But without Jamal Murray out there, this is a team that's a middle-of-the-road Western Conference team that really would be lucky to get to the second round. That's how much Murray means to this team. But with Murray, I love the Nuggets, and I love what they've done contractually now. Keep in mind, guys, for the next four years, they are tied to this this foursome of Jokic, Murray, Michael Porter, and Aaron Gordon. And Aaron Gordon is one of the more underrated defensive players in this league, and I think it's going to help the Nuggets a ton on that end. But again, without Murray right now, it's just that there's nothing that distinguishes them from the rest of the pack in, in these Western Conference playoff teams. 
Brian Geltzano joining us here. So who is the top tier of the NBA? I Listen, I think the top tier of the NBA right now, um, it, I'm not going to overreact to a week and a half of action. You know, at one point, Kyrie Irving is going to start playing basketball for the Brooklyn Knicks again. Now, when that happens, I'm not sure. But I do think that's going to happen at some point this season. I think you're very foolish to sleep on Brooklyn here. As bad as it's looked early on, it will improve. It will look better. I think you have to put Brooklyn there. I think you're crazy to not put Milwaukee there. Um, You know, Milwaukee won a title last year. And again, fatigue will be a factor there. But I thought that John Horst did a great job in, in remaking the depth of that roster this past offseason. So I think you have to put Milwaukee there. I think, you know, the Lakers talent-wise probably deserve to be there, but this experiment looks like it's a major struggle right now. I think you have to put the Jazz there, and I think it's unfair to not put the Suns there, considering they brought everybody back. Although the Suns have some problems kind of from the inside out. This, you know, you don't ever want to let contractual stuff creep into what's happening on the court on your basketball team, and that's a major struggle that the Suns are having right now. DeAndre Ayton's a vital player to that team, and him him having to go out in the court night in and night out, knowing that Paul just got taken care of, paid probably overpaid because of the, his age at this point. Devin Booker's already been taken care of. They took care of Bridges, and Ayton not being taken care of. Them sending Ayton out to the open market Okay, and asking him to find a, a max contract for them to match instead of paying him that money is not going to sit well. And you guys in Utah understand that because the Jazz did it with Gordon Hayward, and when Gordon Hayward's first opportunity to get out of there, he left. And, and so you have to be really careful. And if you're the Phoenix Suns right now, I don't know how smart it is that they're alienating DeAndre Ayton. I get that they don't want to overpay and they don't want to bid against themselves, but to think that Bridges could get a max offer out there, but they're going to wait for Ayton to go get one. Listen, they signed Bridges for less than a max because they were afraid somebody would max him out if, if he had to restrict the free agency. When it comes to DeAndre Ayton, he's going to get maxed out in, in, in restricted free agency. Waiting for that to happen puts a crimp in that relationship between ownership and player long-term that it sometimes becomes pretty tough to dig out of. All right, that's all well and good on basketball. Now let's get back to Jersey. Uh, Kyrie Irving grew up in West Orange, which is where my mother grew up. She graduated from West Orange High School. And then, speaking of East Hanover, Jed Fish is not the most popular alumni, or most well-known anyway. My sister who went there graduated. One of her classmates was a lady named Linda Tripp. <laughs> and you remember... Wow, that? I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> now listen, I, I'm all... Like, I, I happened to graduate from West Orange High School as well. Oh, you did? Sweet. And Yes, I did. I grew up in West Orange. I graduated from West Orange High School. My older brother and my mother still live in West Orange. And Kyrie's around town. Kyrie's, you know, kind of doing his thing. Kyrie was playing pickup basketball and pickup touch football last week and was photographed <laughs> at the West Orange High School field. Nice. Kyrie's a, around town and doing his thing, but I had no idea about Linda Tripp. Yes. East Hanover, right there by Nabisco, where uh, yes, East Han- yeah, where Nabisco was located. Yeah, my sister was a classmate. Do you know any of the Ciamillos from West Orange? Because that was my mother's maiden name. We might we might have known each other. Oh my god. We very welcome. I do Ciamillo does not ring a bell. Oh, thank goodness. I, you know, so yes. I <laughs> well, just go not, up on Bloomfield Avenue, Bloomfield Avenue and shout Ciamillo and a bunch of them will come running. <laughs> I'm, I, I, am, I am quite sure about that. Go to Turtleback Zoo. You know, you'll see him. <laughs> it's funny. I had to stop by and pick up something from a friend this morning in North Caldwell, and I always do this. On my way out of that neighborhood, yeah. I do a quick swing by Tony Soprano's house, and I take a quick selfie in the driveway. Because you know what? It never gets old. It never gets old, guys. It just doesn't. 
Well, when we were, and I'll let you go on this, when we were driving, we, I grew up in Persephone, and we would go down to visit my grandmother on 11 Lafayette Street in West Orange, uh, to the freeway, I think it's 280, wasn't built yet, so we'd I always, exactly where that is. We'd yeah. always go down North Caldwell, and even as a, like a nine-year-old boy, I knew that's where they lived, because we'd drive by that's it, correct. and everybody knew North Caldwell, that's where they lived, and you better scoot down and drive by fast. And be careful who you look in the eye. And, and let me tell you something. People don't understand. They'll watch The Sopranos, and they'll look at these guys like they're cartoon characters. I knew these guys, all right? These were not cartoon characters. Every bit as gruesome and dangerous as they are portrayed on the television show is what they were in real life. I, I, I said I knew those guys, and you know that, that, that element was very, very prevalent and very, very pervasive, and in some ways still is. Oh, for sure. All right, you can say goodbye now, DJ. Brian Geltzeiler, founder of HoopsCritic.com, <laughs> Jersey guy, Sirius XM, NBA radio, NBA TV analyst, blah, blah, blah. Jersey, Jersey, Jersey. And you enabled him, PK. You enabled him. I, you brought it up. I knew it was going to happen. It was inevitable. When it comes... When it comes to Jersey talk, I'm a wind-up toy. All you got, what PK had to do was wind, wind up my back and send me running, and you knew you oh, were going to get it. It's just the way it works. And we need to make a Springsteen reference. I know, really. Well, we'll have you on again. All right. Thank you, Brian. We appreciate it. Always my pleasure, gentlemen. We'll talk soon. Take All care. Right, I, got, I got a thought for you. Yes. How much different would your life be and just the way you live if you had been from Jersey? No, it probably would have. I mean, you're a product where you grow up and all that stuff. So, yeah, it probably would have been different. You think you've been dropping mother bleepers? Well, I do that anyway, so what's the big deal? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, to your family and <laughs> your wife and <laughs> no, your pastor. Not this wife. <laughs> not this wife. Maybe another wife. Not this wife. That would, that would be completely unacceptable. <laughs> when you're an altar boy. <laughs> altar boy. <laughs> She's a different lifestyle. She saw my wife as a Phoenix native when she started getting around my family. Oh, my God. Oh, really? It was a real eye-opener. We aren't in Michigan and Phoenix anymore. The females. (laughs) Whoa. That took a little getting used to. Did she live anywhere other than Michigan and Arizona? Or those were her two... She never Frames lived in of, Michigan. Oh, her okay. mother did. No, she's oh, a so Phoenix the family's native. from Michigan. She's an Arizona native. She spent native. summers yeah. in Detroit as a kid. Right. But uh, Jersey, whole nother deal. Oh, yeah. Whole nother deal. Model. Model. <laughs> All right, when we come back, everything you missed in this show, except for the Jersey stuff, we'll keep that to ourselves. Uh, stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280, The Zone.